Hey lunatics, you're listening to Let the Meat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems, and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. Before I began farming, I was a public school teacher who had grown up in the suburbs of St. Louis. And if you were like me, you had no idea what was real or who to trust when it came to our food. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance you've begun to doubt what huge food corporations are trying to sell you is as healthy as it's cracked up to be. And for good reason. I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out, to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish the people. You see, conventional farms are dying. We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. See you soon. I live just south of the Missouri River. I cross it every day on the way to our northern farm. It's past flood stage at least a dozen times already this year, and its power, even from a distance, is humbling. It ain't pretty. Imagine a dirty brown snake winding west to east across central Missouri. It doesn't gurgle, and you can't see to the bottom of it. If someone ever painted the river, you'd think they'd use the wrong color. It would probably end up on a painting of Manifest Destiny rather than some idyllic pastoral scene. But it serves an important purpose. It irrigates thousands of acres of cropland across the state. Some of the most important ecological benefits come from the flooding. When a river floods, it moves nutrient-rich sediment from the bottom of the river and deposits it on crop fields surrounding the inundation zone. Local farmers get a yield boost from this natural fertilizer, provided, of course, it doesn't happen often enough to bury any crop they just planted. But there's a catch, and it's not nature's fault. It's ours. God designed the system of flooding to heal the land. Rivers are all free-flowing in their natural state. This means they will wander over time. Over time, we've built dams and levees to try to contain the rivers to a single course. In doing so, we've eliminated the once numerous river islands and backwaters, home to the summer escapades of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. We've prevented thousands of acres of land from being regularly flooded and resupplied with nutrient-rich sediment. We've become exceptionally good as humans at asking the question, can we, rather than should we? All this hubris has another effect on our river systems. This sounds really obvious, But it bears repeating. Rivers carry our contaminants downstream. That's a really technical way of saying that whatever crap a bottomland farmer sprays onto or injects into his fields will eventually end up in the river itself. Once these chemicals enter the river watershed, it becomes labeled agricultural runoff. Sounds pretty benign, right? Nope. The Missouri is a tributary of the Mississippi River. All the water that is carried by the Missouri joins the Mississippi in St. Louis and heads toward the Gulf of Mexico to the south. It exits the continental U.S. through the state of Louisiana. 
which has become the unsolicited recipient of the Midwest's insatiable appetite for artificial fertilizer. Insatiable to the tune of 5.6 million tons per year just for corn in 2018. Also in 2018, there was a dead zone the size of Delaware off the coast of Louisiana. And we aren't talking about cell phone coverage. It's the largest in the United States and the second largest in the world. Artificial fertilizer runoff has created a low oxygen environment, which makes survival impossible for marine life caught unexpectedly inside. The nitrogen deluge sucks all the dissolved oxygen out of the water and pushes marine life to the edges. The artificial nitrogen is called anhydrous ammonia and is so ubiquitously used in rural areas that its presence has essentially been rendered invisible. You don't think twice when you see these huge white pillboxes on wheels being lugged behind tractors down county highways. When I see them, I wonder how long will it be until it ends up in Louisiana. Ammonia was created prior to World War I by this German chemist named Fritz Haber. Coincidentally, this guy also created chlorine gas, which killed thousands of soldiers during the war. Since its creation in 1910, it's been estimated that half the nitrogen cells in our bodies have been artificially fixed. This one little invention has spread from Germany to the rest of the planet. You'll often hear from scientists and conventional farmers that artificial fertilizer is a good thing, like we somehow need it as humans. I often hear the claim that there's no way we could feed the amount of people on this planet without synthetic fertilizers. I agree, but only in a bang-my-head-against-the-wall kind of way. We need artificial fertilizers only because we've decided to work against nature. Instead of healing the land and encouraging the growth of natural ecosystems, we rip up the topsoil year after year. When you have exposed ground, think of that like an open wound on the Earth's surface. Nature will try to bandage that wound with weeds and thorny plants as one of the first stages of the succession. Side note, if you rip up those year after year, guess what's going to come back? More weeds. They're just a band-aid. It boggles my mind to see agriculture's obsession with artificial nitrogen when I think about how we breathe air all day long that's 78% nitrogen. When you think about it that way, chemical companies that produce artificial fertilizers successfully sell water to fish. It's not like nature had struggled for millennia to capture nitrogen from the air until Fritz came around. There are many, many perennial grasses and trees that naturally suck nitrogen out of the air and pump it into the ground. Naturally. Part of the reason we use so much artificial nitrogen is that we've got the idea in our heads that cows like to eat grains more than they like to eat grass. In our country, depending on who you ask, somewhere between one-third and two-thirds of all grains get converted to animal feed rather than for human consumption. To anyone worried about sustainability issues, just imagine the extra food that could be grown for consumers if we returned the same fraction of our country's 250 million cropland acres back to perennial pastures. Not only does it require massive fractions of our country's grain to make meat conventionally, it also requires intensive irrigation to grow those grains. The average grain-fed cow takes 1,800 gallons of water to produce a pound of meat. Only 1.3% of that water gets used directly. 
The rest grows the grain the cows must eat. That's in no way sustainable. When you rip up the topsoil year after year in order to plant crops, you successfully turn the most fertile horizon of soil into dirt. And if you've ever seen a dirt parking lot in the middle of a thunderstorm, you know it doesn't hold any water. If it rains more than a quarter inch, it slides right off. The farm right across the road from us always sheds water if they get anything more than a light sprinkling. The reason conventional agriculture needs so much water is that they've destroyed the soil's ability to hold water. If you have healthy soil, you don't need irrigation. Nature does it for you. Using these numbers, a pasture-based, grass-fed beef farmer would use 1.3% of the water a conventional beef farmer would use. For every pound of meat produced conventionally, 1,800 gallons of water are required. For every pound produced on pasture with cows that eat only grass and fields that don't require irrigation, the equivalent would be 23.4 gallons of water. There are even ways to plant vegetables sustainably in a way that doesn't require tillage, artificial fertilizer, or massive amounts of water. One way is called pasture cropping. First, you graze an area with ruminant animals like cows or sheep. Next, you use a no-till machine that makes a very narrow incision in the sod to plant the annuals. Lastly, right before the annuals germinate, you graze it again with the ruminants. Grazing it twice in short succession strategically weakens the sod and puts it in dormancy mode. It doesn't die, it's just dormant. Then, after you combine the plant, you harvest it, the perennial grass is ready to grow again. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we don't need to have dead zones the size of Delaware and the Gulf of Mexico. We don't need artificial fertilizer. We could feed ourselves in this country as long as we could wrap our heads around the idea that cows want to eat grass, not grains. The government needs to stop their farmer welfare programs. They need to stop underwriting crop insurance and giving subsidies to corn production. The amount we subsidize corn puts farmers out of business in other countries. Geez. But if we waited for the government to change their ways, we might be waiting for a long time. So it's up to you guys, crazies. You have to support food systems that protect the environment rather than destroy it. It's up to you to keep anhydrous ammonia out of our rivers and grain out of cow stomachs. If you vote with your forks to support real food, companies will listen. Nothing hurts so bad as getting sucker punched right in the wallet. I promise. Hey, lunatics. I just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening, downloading, reviewing, and giving me your feedback. Because of your passion, we've passed the thousand download mark with only five episodes under our belt. That's amazing. I have big plans for this podcast, and to do it, I realized I need to be publishing episodes more frequently. Duh, right? So, from now on, they'll be coming out every week. I have a list of new topics and amazing interviews as long as my arm, so it won't be hard to up the frequency. If you really enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about it. Tell your parents. Tell your boss. Tell anybody who cares even a little bit about what they eat. Or, if you're a little bit introverted, you can rate it and leave a review on iTunes. No conversation required. I'd be happy with either choice you make. If you have questions, email me at austin at letthemeatgrass.org. With your permission, I might include your question, along with my answer, at the end of the next episode. 
If you want to share any exciting news with me, that's another awesome reason to send an email. If you make the radical step of getting to know an ethical farmer near you as a result of listening to this podcast, I'd be overjoyed. In any state you're listening to this, there are farmers you can feel good about supporting. I promise. You can still use the offer code PDCST, like podcast without the vowels, on fedfromthefarm.com to get $10 off your first order of nutrient-dense pasture-raised food. Remember, I manage this farm, so I can personally endorse the quality. Most people who try it are surprised our meat doesn't taste gamey. That's our secret. We feed and finish our animals on grass. The taste is beyond compare. If you order from us and pick up your order at one of our buying clubs, I'll get to meet you. I want to hear your story. Seriously, I feel like we're part of a tsunami wave that is rapidly approaching the shore. The day of reckoning for a broken food system is long overdue, and both of us are part of that revolution. That's exciting stuff. Production assistance was provided by the kissable Kelly Williams. That's my wife. Music was performed by the bodacious Brandon Nelson. If you like Scandinavian folk music, you can find his album Old Yarns by Eloin, E-L-O-I-G-N, at Bandcamp. Cover art was drawn by the radical Rebecca Raven. Backchecking was done by the daring David Boatwright. And sound engineering was done by the jubilant Jeffrey Hook. If you want any of these marvelous people to help you with your projects, just let me know. That's all I have for now. Until next time, Al Saudi.